Hello, everybody. Welcome back for another episode of Out of Bounds. As always, I'm your host, Spencer Brown. Joining me, we have Dalton Bishop. What's going on? Oh, doing just peachy. We also have Christian Ernst. What's going on, y'all? Oh, got another exciting episode in store. Should be very fun. Uh, but first, we do have to start with um, one of the latest. And, and, you know, this news broke late last week. Uh, probably the most relevant uh, sports story out there. The Milwaukee Bucks firing head coach Mike Budenhoser. Um, and this is a move that, if you listen to last week's episode, I said that I would not be surprised if they moved on. Ultimately, I thought, you know, he given kind of again his brother had recently died in a car accident. We established this last week. I mentioned this that I thought you know maybe they'll cut him some slack and give him you know an extra year. Uh, but ultimately, you know what must be done must be done. And unfortunately, you know that's just the nature of the business. It's pretty cutthroat. Like again, I think Milwaukee like you know they obviously know that it's tough to lose a family member. Um, but in the day, it's it's a business. So, like we've seen countless stories you know athletes and coaches you know playing through adversity or coaching through adversity at the end of the day like this was a move that needed to happen and i said a lot last week that like i i try to be very rational when i'm watching a game watching a team and not go to ebbs and flows of you know they lost one game fire the coach immediately it's like it's not 2k or madden or whatever where if you lose the game you can just fire the coach and hire someone else like it's not that that easy because you're dealing with money, you're dealing with actual people here. Um, but that was an embarrassing loss to Milwaukee or Miami, excuse me. And even though every year he was in Milwaukee, they won the Central Division, like they did just because he was really good at his job. Um, and again, someone's gonna hire him, whether this cycle or next cycle. Um, because when he was fighting Atlanta back in 2018 immediately latched on with Milwaukee in the next season. He turns him, go takes him to the conference finals. Like, he is a very good coach. Um, but unfortunately, you know, his time in Milwaukee had to come to an end. It was five short years. Um, but he, you know, he took him to the promised land. He won a championship with Milwaukee. He's one of, the, you know, the second time in franchise history that the Bucks have won a championship. So he is going to be a legend in Milwaukee. Um, for that title run, even though, you know, you know, the players, Giannis, you know, one of the stars of the league helped to win that championship. Again, 2021 will always be a special year in Milwaukee. Um, and, you know, it's going to be interesting to see who they hired next year because, like, this is a team that was the one seed in the Eastern Conference. And, I mean, look what we mentioned this last week or a couple weeks ago. At the, you know, Toronto was a one seed, perennial one seed, you know, made some good t- conference runs, never got over the hump. They fired Wayne Casey and they t- promote Nick Nurse. They won a title in year one. Sure, they won the Kawhi Leonard deal. Milwaukee, you have an established star in Yasla Zakumpo, who one of the top three players, depending on how you want to view it, in the NBA. Like, you got an established team there. You can promote, again, there's like one of their coaches that, you know, is getting a lot of buzz for potentially, um, you know, getting um, Charles Lee's guy's name. Excuse me. He's getting a lot of buzz for potentially other jobs. Does Milwaukee decide to promote Charles Lee to be their new head coach? She was the associate last year and go with the, you know, Toronto Raptors approach from a few years ago that worked out dividends for them. Um, 
that's the name to watch. There's others out there, obviously. So we'll see. Again, when that happens, we'll sit here and we'll break it down the uh, the higher. Um, but yeah, it's obviously a tough situation for Bud. Um, but one that we kind of saw coming. And at the end of the day, I am, at least for me, I'm not super surprised. Um, it sucks, but I think it was the right move at the end for Milwaukee to uh, move on from Mike Boonhauser. So I'll look at you next. Your thoughts and reactions when you saw Mike Boonhoser was fired by the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, it kind of sucks, but, I mean, it's – you said it. It's the business. Uh, I mean, I, I think Milwaukee probably shouldn't have done that, but you know what? They're going to do whatever the heck they want to do. Um, so I, I figure that Mike will probably get another job here soon. Um, I'll hire him. Um, especially after what he did, uh, for Milwaukee. Um, I mean, you're talking about a franchise that hadn't been relevant since. I mean, we can talk about, we can talk about all the Kareem. We can talk about, you know, Oscar. That's pretty much all I got off the top of my head. Like in Milwaukee's relevance before Budenholzer got there. Uh, it really just put him on the map, essentially. Contenders from 2018 until he got fired. So, you know, I think... I don't know, I don't know where you could go <laughs> from here in terms of coaching because coaches like this aren't exactly available a lot. Um, they're not just like just like sitting there waiting uh, to be hired. Uh, usually if there's usually like if there's really really good coaches like Mike they normally have jobs. So good luck trying to find another head coach. Uh, good luck. I'd like to see who they are next uh, to take over. Um yeah, I mean, it's. I find it kind of odd, also, that Boonhoser, as a head coach, has spent five seasons exactly with both of the teams that he's coached. It's like, it's like a, like the I don't even know what the word is I'm looking for, but it's like they reached like the full potential, like five seasons, buddy. That's all we got for you. That's all you can give us. Um. Yeah, so, but, uh, um, yeah, I mean, I don't really have anything else. Um, yeah, back to you, Spence. All right. Christian, anything you want to add on uh, Mike Boonhoser fired after five seasons and one championship with the Milwaukee it Bucks? It stinks because, you know, the Bucks are a good team, and he honestly did deserve more – um, more kind of respect and what he was going through. He may have mentally not been very present in the moment with Milwaukee because of his family issue with his brother passing away. So the fact that Milwaukee, yeah, like I understand you were number one C, one of the t most talented teams, and you have took on one of the hottest teams in Miami Heat 
and not, not no pun intended, but like they were really starting on a hot streak and Jimmy just went off and heard about the disrespect and heard the overrated, uh, one of the more overrated players in the NBA talks at the end of the year. So they were lit up. They were fired up to being better than any other team and upsetting number one team. That would be a pretty nice goal to do. So, you know, I feel like there should have been more, um, like, encouragement from the players saying, hey, we want to play for Mike. Like, I, I personally, of course, none of us have coached at a high level, so we have no idea. But if you're a very good coach, you just won the NBA championship two years prior, and – like, you should be given a couple years, and if something happens like this where family issues or, you know, something's going on with, you know, some at home or something really deep and personal, the team, the organization that you gave a championship should be like, okay, you deserve time to be with your family, be with yourself, and get things better. But, you know, maybe the seat would have been a little bit warmer. And that's what I would expect it, right? Like, you know, Milwaukee being kind of like, okay, we'll give Mike a pass, but his seat's a little warm. We just got upset by an eight seat here. So to me, I think it's looks bad on Milwaukee where it's like, oh, we actually have the success and we got upset and we look like a failure. So we need to clean house. I don't like that move, especially when you have a player like Giannis that, honestly could get up and leave and you know could decide hey I want to go to Miami I want to go to Los Angeles I want to go to New York I want to go anywhere else but Milwaukee I'm sorry you're not the free agent destination everyone's looking at you're the eastern Oklahoma City you had some glamour you had some fame you have a championship which OKC doesn't have but the exact same time you know you're not you're a team that if they do really well, they're going to get boosted in free agency. A better team in a better location may look at them. So, uh, to me, I think it's awful for Mike because he lost his job on something he couldn't really control. And he had outside issues. He wasn't all focused on the team. That's not really his fault when other stuff's going on in his life. That's honestly more important than sports, in my opinion. But... For Milwaukee, it looks terrible because, okay, you fired a coach who gave you a championship because crap happened. You know, crap at the fan and y'all got upset. So, to me, I lost a little respect to Milwaukee for that. But at the end of the day, you know, Mike's going to find a new job. He may take another year off and, you know, um, you know, see what the market is at that point. Another team like a Toronto or uh, I don't think Detroit has picked anybody up. So one of those two teams could uh, pick Mike up and see what happens there. But I think it's just an, a very unfortunate situation for Mike. Yeah, like you said, Toronto and Detroit still open. It's interesting that now uh, with the firing of Mike Boonhoser, 2019 Toronto wins. Nick Nurse, he's, he was fired earlier this offseason. 2020 had Frank Vogel fired two years after when the Lakers tanked for two years uh, after the championship. 
And in 21, Mike Boonehoser. So you have three championship-winning coaches. They're free agents right now that you can go after if you want to go get that championship pedigree. If you want to go younger, again, it's totally acceptable, whatever the teams want to do. But that's just uh, – throw it out there. that We have three championship-winning coaches that are free agents right now. Uh, and Bogle's had all this season, so – He's probably itching to get back in the game. Um, anyway, to the NBA uh, playoffs of who is still alive, um, we'll go there. Starting, Let's start out west um, with the Nuggets and the Suns. Denver takes a uh, 3-2 series lead. Uh, it's been a pretty fun series, kind of back and forth a little bit. Um, some games more than others. Um, look, at it. I think last time we recorded it was 2 nothing at the time. Denver... And Chris Paul was ruled out for games three, four. Uh, he didn't play in game five. He didn't uh, initially it was like ruled out week. Earlier today, reported he will miss game six, uh, which is scheduled for tomorrow. Uh, when we were recording today, if you're listening to the day's release, uh, the 11th. Um, so Chris Paul may come back in game seven. If there is a game seven, we'll just have to wait and see on that. But um, game the previous two games in Phoenix, you know, D Book and uh, KD just went off to uh, help propel the studs to tie the series out with that uh, Chris Paul. Of course, game five yesterday, Mill, uh, Denver kind of blitzed uh, Phoenix. They went, ended up winning by 16. They really have uh, much of a chance to get back into late. Maybe again, um, yeah, like Phoenix, you know, they outscored in the fourth quarter by one. So uh, that third quarter pretty much made the difference, the first and third quarter um, for Denver. Uh, now Denver's up 3-2, and they're a game away from going back to the conference finals um, again. So that'd be a huge test uh, for Jokic, Mike Malone, and company if they can get past Denver. They got two opportunities to win one game. Um, so we see how that goes. But that, it's been a, been a fun series, and uh, I would like to just I would like to see Game Seven just because it'd be a fun series. Although I did say Nuggets in six, excuse me, before the series started. So I'm kind of hoping the Nuggets win just for um, selfish reasons on our point standings. That doesn't mean anything at the end of the day anyway. Um, so there's that. Don, your thoughts on the uh, the Nuggets and the Suns series so far? Yeah, dude. Um, you know, I thought that after the first couple of games that, you know, it was like this is not going – the way that I'd hoped that it that it would, you know, Denver just absolutely took advantage, and then you know I saw the Suns come to life. They really did. They came to life, and they proved to me why I should pick them to to win the series. Uh, and then they go and they blow it up in game uh, game five. Uh, again, one eighteen to one hundred two. You know, I guess you know this is just a. Uh, it's going to be one of those series where it's like, what the hell were you thinking? You know, I think we all have those times where it's just like, what the hell are we thinking? Um, when we made these sort of choices. And so, you know, this is kind of one of those times, you know. Of course, last time, last series, I picked the Clippers to beat the, to beat the Suns. The Suns beat the Clippers in five games. And then this time I picked the Suns in seven. I believe that was my prediction. It's looking like it'll go down that way, assuming, predicting that the Suns win game six 
But other than that, not looking so hot for the Phoenix Suns. Uh, and so, you know, I think this is probably Denver's to lose. Um, as they're just trying to just get rid of the absolute. I'm not gonna. I don't think. I don't think mantra is the right word. Um, opinion, maybe. Uh, is that you know the Nuggets? You know they they've been really good regular season champs. They're like the Green Bay Packers of the NFL. Okay, regular season champs, and then when it comes to the playoffs, they they fizzle out. And you know, I think Nuggets fans really want to really want to make some noise and get to the NBA Finals. I think they have a pretty good chance here, but uh, I also believe that the Phoenix Suns are going to be a tough out as we're seeing, uh, and with Game Six coming up. All right, Christian. Anything you want to add on the uh, the Nuggets and the Suns series? It's been a back and forth series. Um... You know, every single home team has won this, has won uh, their games. Denver went up 2 0, Suns tied 2 2. Back in Denver, Denver won. So it's been a very back and forth series, obviously. Uh, Jokic is going off in this series. You know, Chris Paul, it seems like it's better without him than with him. Now, obviously, it could be, you know, home court advantage and a lot, you know, him being out makes Devin and Katie have the ball more and shoot more to score more. So there's a lot of factors in that. I don't think Chris Paul being out is a good thing for Phoenix. Excuse me. But I do think this series is going to end tomorrow night or tonight as when this uh, podcast is uploaded. Just because I think Denver just has more – I guess, energy, and they want to be more physical with Denver or with Phoenix, who's more flashy and don't have a lot of depth, unlike Denver. So I think Denver is going to take this series in game six. Um, It's going to be a really interesting series because this is the best team Denver has had. We always thought Denver was just kind of a little bit close, a little bit close. Last year, we thought Jamal Murray, him being out really hurt Denver's chances and now Jamal is back and he's done pretty well uh, in the playoffs so far for Denver and they may have a real shot now depending on who they play in LA and Golden State they may be favored but it could be a little bit longer game but I still think even though I picked Phoenix to be um, in the Western Conference Finals I forget if I put them in the finals but I think I put the Grizzlies in the finals but I had Phoenix very high up in the Western Conference Finals. And even though they were my favorite in the beginning, Denver just looks too dominant. And I think they're going to finish it out in Phoenix, uh, you know, Thursday night. All right. So, yeah, that's going to be a fun uh, series. Denver made the Conference Finals back in the bubble um, before falling to the Lakers in five that year so yeah the lakers so denver yeah they're looking to go back to the conference finals for the first time since the bubble season jumping over to the eastern conference real quick um because right we're recording during game five of the lakers and warriors here so i'll give us as much time 
um, for this game to transpire before giving our thoughts on this series as a whole. Um, I'll go to the Celtics Sixers first, then we'll go Heat Knicks. Celtics and Sixers, um, yeah, there's a lot that I have a lot of thoughts, and I, I won't go too far just because a lot of my thoughts would be related to game four, and we've had a whole game since then, so there's no sense of me kind of rehashing my thoughts at the end of game four with how that transpired. Um, there, but yeah, Boston, it was 1-1 because I think – I don't know if game two had taken place when we recorded. I think it was just game one, and it was one nothing Philly. And Joel Embiid comes back game two. Boston just amazingly blows out Philly. It looks like they run Philly off the court there at the Garden. Uh, you go to uh, Philadelphia. Then you have Boston takes game three. Game four looked like it was Philly's game to lose. They dominate almost the entire game. Then Boston goes on a late run. They take a lead at one point. Uh, Philly forces overtime. And, again, Boston's got the lead late. And Philly hits a lap hard in, in the corner, wide open, hits a three-pointer, give Philly the lead by one. Um, Boston just doesn't call timeout. And, again, I was very critical of Mike Boonehoser for not calling timeout um, in the Milwaukee and Heat game five there. And I'd be hypocr- hypocritical if I didn't criticize uh, Joe Mazzula for the same thing. Even though, like, it, you know, they can argue the play worked to a degree because – like, they got a shot in regulation, and in overtime, they got the ball to a player. The shot was just late, but Marty hit a three at the buzzer, but it was wiped off because it was late. They just took way too much time, and they didn't get anything set. Um, but, yeah, that's my piece on that. Game five was more frustrating because, like, Philly takes the lead. Like, you're at home in game five. Philly takes the lead, and then... Like, Boston, they try to make a late rally, but it just seemed like nothing was going to go their way. Um, now, the fourth quarter, it got it, the score is closer than it actually was because, you know, Payne Pritchard in the bench unit came in, and they started nailing a couple threes to where, you know, it was like, oh, could they get back in there? But like, if you watch the game, into the third quarter, you kind of knew this was not Boston's night unless a miracle happened there. Um, and it's frustrating because now Philly's got two chances to – close out Boston and it, you know also like last year Boston was down 3-2 to Milwaukee and they had to take game six on the road which they did um and they had game seven at home where anything could happen and then Grant Williams had the Grant Williams game of his life um so I definitely do think it's possible um because like I said we saw game three Boston took it from Philly um it's just which Boston team shows up because they have shown all year you know, they can compete with anyone, and they have historically owned Philadelphia in the playoffs and the regular season, which that's why I thought it was going to be at Celtics and five. Uh, I trust the team way too much there. Again, I'm not immune to this. It is, I am pretty biased a little bit to Boston um, and maybe give them like one more game or one less game in this series than I think it should be. Um, like I probably should just have six, but even then I'd be wrong because they have to win, we have to win in seven now. Um, I think they could do it, but I am not going to count on it. I, I mean, honestly, you put a gun in my head right now. I'm thinking Philly takes it tomorrow. Like, it's just the way the last couple of games have gone, the end of game execution or lack thereof, um, leads me to think that Philadelphia, because they've been in the conference finals since 01 when Allen Iverson took them to the NBA finals that year. 
when he was the MVP. So the oh, Embiid gets MVP. Maybe he'll lead them to the conference finals again. Um, and in that drought for Philly, because they have not had a lot of success lately since the process day started. I mean, oh, when was the last finals appearance? They only won in 82 um, when they beat the Lakers. So we'll see uh, if Harden and B can close it out tomorrow night um, at the Wells Fargo Center. Dalton, I'll go to you next. Your thoughts on the Sixers taking a 3-2 lead on the Celtics. Um. Yeah. Uh. Okay. Um. Uh. You did a really good job at uh giving a little bit of background. Um. I'm gonna start by saying I had Celtics in four, and I think this <laughs> this series should be over. Boston plays defense late. If you just play defense like how you're supposed to, series could have been over in four games. Yeah, I'm not I'm not I'm not gonna talk about what happened on May 9th with the 115 to 103 loss. I'm talking about the two the two losses, game one, game four. Okay. Game four. You know, Spence, you were watching the game. They left two wide open in the corner. James Harden, wide open in the corner. What are you thinking? What are you doing? You know James Harden still has it. He dropped 45 in game one, which leads me to to talking about that. So game one, dropping 45 points. The Celtics have the lead. Late. Again, all you got to do is get one stop. What would Philly do? A casual pick, pick and roll. But what does Boston do? They made the fatal mistake of switching. It's that guard big man switch that I absolutely passion. Okay. I watched it too much during the OKC days when they were playing, like, for example, the Warriors. The Warriors would do the exact same thing. And you know what would happen? Steven Adams would be guarding Steph Curry. What the heck, dude? Are you you really think you really think that that's gonna go over well for the team that's on defense? Like you you really think that's gonna go over well? So Boston has this bright bright idea. You know what? Let's switch. Let's switch. Harden Harden he already has like forty points. Let's switch. So Al Horford is guarding Harden at the top of the key. Yeah, that's a great idea. As soon I slouch back in my couch and I'm like, oh great. There goes game one. Cause I knew it was over. I knew it was over. Defensively, Spence, I don't know what the hell your Celtics are doing. And they better get it right. Or they are but they're gonna lose this series tomorrow night. You can bet your butt on it. They will lose. And they may lose by more than 10 points. I don't know what um offensively, they're putting up a lot of points. They're putting up a lot of points. 100 points in every single game this series. So offensively, it's not the issue. They just can't play effing defense. They just can't play defense at all. And you would think that wouldn't be an issue with the type of length that they have in their starting five, considering um, Brown uh, is tall. Um, Williams down low, 
Um, Spence, you can chime in anytime you want. I don't, I don't, I really don't study, but I mean, I would have thought that Boston would have been able to hold it down, especially with Joel Embiid, who just came back from injury. It's not like this had been playing and did not have an injury at all. He had just come back. And in fact, game one was without Joel Embiid. So you should have taken it. Like, this is an opportunity. Honestly, now that I think about it, I think people buy into them so much, myself included, that they just, like, there's so much ridiculous. It is ridiculous. So much complaint. And it's like, oh, we're Boston. We'll take care of it. Really? Okay. Cool. Cool, 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 cool. You wouldn't be sitting on the couch with me, Spence, and Christian watching Philadelphia 76ers go to the NBA Finals. That's what you could be doing. You sit right down right next to us. We got a seat for you. You know... I I take I take some of the part I take a little bit of blame myself like picking them in four games because I thought that they were gonna be able to take care of business. Um but apparently not the case. Spencer, you had said that uh Boston take care of takes care of Philly. Um Looking that way right now, so I guess this is the like the one year in which they didn't really take care of them unless they can come back and win in seven games. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm uh done. So you can you can oh. have have it back. Uh, all right, uh, Christian, up to you next. Your thoughts on the uh, Celtics and Sixers series. This has been wild. <laughs> I think this is the most wild series of the NBA playoffs so far because the reigning MVP was out game one, and they didn't need him. James Harden dropped 45 and won it by himself. Next game, he comes back. Boston handles it pretty <laughs> easily. Uh, game four was... Amazing. I was watching the Wells Fargo uh, golfing champion uh, golfing championship uh, with Wyndham Clark winning that one. And um, I tuned in at like the last five, four, you know, four or five ish minutes. Uh, and I, I don't know why I do that. Just side note, I do like the longer time before the shorter time. It's like, oh, in like 10 to five minutes, you know, I don't know why I do that, but I do. Anyway, um, like four to five minutes left in the game, and it, they were just making shot after shot, defensive play after defensive play. Jason Tatum had the most ruthless <laughs> offensive foul I have ever seen. I am a football guy. I, I know the basics of every sport, but I know my football. I don't know my basketball as much as probably these two gentlemen, as Dalton was talking about earlier, but – I do know a push-off when I see one. This, you know, game four was amazing. And Philadelphia and Boston were playing at a very high level. And then 
Went into overtime after a Harding clutch shot. Five more minutes played, and it was still very back and forth. As Spencer alluded to, Philadelphia went up by one. They had about eight seconds left. Did not get a timeout. If they had one more, if they had one more second, um, I forget who shot the three. Was it Jalen? Was it Jalen Brown? Uh, it didn't have overtime. Was smart. Smart. Okay. So well, it was late. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So smart had uh, the three pointer, and they just had one more second. That would have been the game winner. Three one. Maybe a different story. Game five in Boston. Maybe Boston wins it. Who knows? But here's how I take game five. And I talked to Spencer about this. Was I feel like both of the teams, and I hear this like, oh, they didn't want it enough. I, I've been an athlete long enough to know every single team wants to win. No team wants to lose and go, especially in home field. Nobody wants to go into their home arena, home stadium, home ballpark, home wherever, and want to lose. They don't want to do that. These are athletes. These guys want to win. Anyway. What I think was this. I think Boston thought, man, we were so close in Philly. We were so close away where we do not have to come home and be like on our A game 100% of the time. Philadelphia, what I thought was, wow, we got away with one at home. We're going to be away in a ruthless crowd in Boston we need to be on our inning. I believe Philadelphia was driven more to win the game because they knew Boston was going to be tough. No, not a lot of shots could go down for Boston. Boston hated Boston. When you boot booing the home team, that is not a good sign. And Philadelphia is now in control. They are going home. I think it's going to be Philadelphia. Now, I still think Boston could get away with another one, and a Game 7 would be great. But I do not believe that Philadelphia is going to choke up these two games. I just do not see that. Joel Embiid is super close to a finals appearance. Super close to a finals appearance. And honestly, if they win it, I think they're favorites over the Knicks and over the Heat. Philadelphia is super close for an opportunity. They can't let it slip up. They need, when they go home, they know we have this in the back. We, you know, we can't be, we don't have to be the greatest team of all time when we step on the court, but man, we got to be close. I think Philadelphia will close the series out. I'm sorry, Spencer. I really am. I really did think Boston was on another level. I think the slip hap- uh, the slip up in uh, Philadelphia, and I think how they just were not as driven as Philadelphia at home is going to cost them, and it's going to cost them a chance to go to Eastern Conference Finals. So I hope Boston wins. I think I picked Boston in five, so I'll just get the Boston win. But I Philadelphia is just hotter right now, and I don't think they're going to slow down. Yeah, I agree with you there, unfortunately. Uh, on to some happier news, uh, I guess, depending on how you want to view this. The Heat and the Knicks series uh, were Miami. I, I, I saw this coming. 
like again, I'm not gonna say I quote knew this was gonna happen because obviously there's a chance I'm wrong, which happens very often. Um, but like before this series started, it just seemed like I was like Jimmy's not gonna lose this series, and I still feel that way. But like Knicks, you know, sure they have home court, they got past you know um, Cleveland relatively easily. Uh, but I was like Jimmy's like on a new level right now. We saw last postseason run. Jimmy put the team on the back that he almost made the conference, made the NBA finals last year. They made it to the finals in the bubble, which we, we're we could very well see a bubble rematch in a few weeks, which that would be interesting if we get there. Um, but like again, New York, Miami takes one game at, out on the road, excuse me. The series shifts to South Beach. The Heat take both games down in Miami to take a um, three games to one lead. And then just uh, right before we started recording, actually, the Knicks take game five from Miami when the series went back to New York. Now goes back to Miami for game six. Uh, I'm expecting a closeout. Miami's won. They won both games at home pretty easily. Uh, game three, especially game five, or game four, because it was only an eight point game um, when there. But again, Miami's on. If it gets to game seven in New York, uh, and, you know, Brunson and Julius Randle and company, anything can happen, obviously. Again, 3 1, we've seen it's been done before. I just, again, I, and again, I know that they are banged up. It's like, like you look at the roster Miami has, and it's like this team should not be where they are. Like, Jimmy is amazing. You're throwing Max Struess out there, Gabe Vincent. Duncan Robinson, even all these undrafted guys, and then you're and you're Jimmy Butler, who's the pick thirtieth overall in his draft. Uh, it's the testament. I think like Spoelstra is a far better coach than Tom Thibodeau is. I'm not breaking news with that statement. Like, it is the facts there that like if you blow a three-one lead to Tom Thibodeau, and again, I don't think anyone's going to lose respect for Spoelstra. He's already earned everything he deserves. But that would be very embarrassing for your career to blow. Again, and Tibbs has a great coaching career. He was in Chicago, very successful. He was assistant in Boston when they won in 08. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's shifting back to game six in Miami. Uh, and I, I expect Miami to close that out there. Uh, they were playing for their home crowd, and Miami's going to go back to the conference finals again uh, for the second straight year and third time in four. Uh, Christian, as your beloved team, that you are very pessimistic about. Maybe it's reverse psychology. Maybe it's not. Um, that Christian taking away on uh, the Heat Knicks series. No, I mean it's been it's been a very interesting series. I did pick the Knicks to win this. Um, it's not that I hate my beloved Heat. It's not that at all. Um, I do love my Heat. I do love my Jimmy buckets. I do love Bam Bam. Um, I was very excited when we got Kevin Love on a minimum deal, but still he's a tremendous player and an NBA champion. And I, I love my heat, but there are times when I'm super high on them and they disappoint me. And last year, as Spencer knows, I was very against Miami and thought, Oh, they're not going to win. Oh, they're not going to win. And they do better and better and better. So this has to be reverse psychology where if I am down on my boys, my boys are going to be fine. For whatever daggum reason, that's just the case. And I seriously did think the Knicks were going to win this game. Just because, to them, they need it. The Knicks fans are going to show their absolute support. 
Miami's going to try and close it out, but again, we're up 3-1. We're not super desperate here. Miami, it's going to be a loud crowd. I feel like Miami is going to be the favorite going into that game, and we could win that uh, game in the series and go in the Eastern Conference Finals. I would love a rematch with the Boston Celtics somehow winning the series, and if we win the NBA championship, I'm buying a Heat. I'm buying a Heat. I'm like, I'm going all out. Even though I was down on them, and this will be evidence of it, but I still, I don't know why, being negative is being positive in my sort of way. But I mean, the Knicks, they just went off. Jalen Brunson was ridiculous. 38 points. Julius Randle had 24. Uh, RJ Barrett, who has been very quiet this series, he had 26. And really nobody else did anything. Now, Jimmy Butler, you know, not a lot of his shots were falling. He was 5 of 12. Kevin Love decided just to throw up seven threes. None of them landed. Um, Bam Bam was fine. Uh, Duncan Robinson was okay, was good off the bench. 5 of 10 with 70. 5 of 10, three point with 17 points. So the guys did fine. Um, we just thought, you know, this game wasn't like desperate. We weren't desperate to win this game. So I think it was a good game by Miami, better game by the Knicks, obviously. Brunson, you know, he needs to prove it with his with his guys that, you know, we still belong here. We can try and win this series. So, you know, to to the athletic side of me, I you know, credit him. Brunson is that uh, heart of the Knicks. So hopefully we can get the job done in uh, game six in Miami tonight. Uh, no, uh, tomorrow night as this will be recorded on Friday night. Hopefully we can get the series done Friday night, focus on the Eastern Conference Finals and whoever it's got to be, whether it's Boston or Philadelphia. All right. Dawn, anything you want to add on the Heat and the Knicks series? Knicks taking game 5-2. Push it to a 3-2 series now. Regarding the New York Knicks and the Heat series, um, I think Knicks definitely better when it comes to game six. Um, they got to play better defense. <sighs> and not yawn like me. Um, I think that the... The Heat have won all the games in Miami, so should be no reason why they don't win a third. Literally no reason. Should be no reason. You should be able to just take care of business. The Knicks don't stand a chance, so you should be able to win. Um, uh, but I do think that, you know, as long as the Knicks um, play like they did tonight, I think that it will be a game seven. Um, oh, excuse me. Um, there, there will be a game seven, uh, and the Garden will be pretty rowdy. So, uh, I think for Heat fans and the Miami Heat I, players and everybody, you want to end the series in Miami because if you don't. Good luck. Good luck because I saw it tonight. Um, 
the game was pretty much over for the most of it until the heat just you know came back just a little bit towards the end um yeah so i i think you know this could definitely go to seven games i picked Knicks in seven i could see it happening but i could also see miami beating them in six so i guess we'll just have to see um uh i'm i'm also you know glad uh glad to see finally finally you know some good players show up to play basketball it seemed like the past couple of games especially for the Knicks side of things i know with miami they're you know they got they got you know some injuries all over the place which they'll use that as an excuse with you know if they lose the series um but I think, you know, just like some of these players specifically on the Knicks, like they just, they just haven't shown up to play basketball. Um, Mitchell Robinson and their loss in Miami. I mean, you're talking about guy only had seven rebounds. What are you? What are you like seven foot? I mean, come on, man, get down there, get some boards, man, score some points. He only had six points. Julius Randle, he's slowly becoming the third option. And their loss in Miami um, in game four, he only had 20 points. I mean, you're talking about R.J. Barrett and Brunson had to be the the guys to do the heavy lifting. That's how it's got to be, apparently. That's how it has to be. Um, I think if you're a Heat fan, you kind of look forward to Kyle Lowry providing some points. You know, Max Struss not shooting 23-pointers would be nice as well. And expect um, Max Struss and Gabe Vincent to be like Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, you know. Uh, I kind of I expect them to just take a step back in terms of the three-point shooting and really getting in there and, you know, facilitating and all that stuff, which I know they can do pretty well. Um, in terms of you know, putting the ball in the basket. I mean, I think it's got to, you know, my, for Miami's offense, got to go through Jimmy. I mean, Jimmy's got to get going early. Um, and Bam Adebayo as well. And I think those are your two main players right now. I mean, I don't, I, I don't believe that in crucial clutch situations, the Miami Heat are going to be looking at Kevin Love. Like, Kevin, you still got one in you? You still think you can give us a three-pointer late? Kevin's like, ah, I don't – I mean, I can try, but this isn't Cleveland anymore. Um, yeah, I think they got to go through – they got to go through Jimmy. Jimmy's got to be the main guy, and he's got to get going early. I think that's the same thing for, for New York. Um, we can't be halfway through the second quarter and looking at the box score like, oh, Jalen Brunson only has 10 points. That's interesting. When he's, like, dominating the ball for 75% of the possessions. That 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 doesn't make any sense. Um I think Julius at this point he's he's option number 3. RJ Barrett is playing really good basketball, right? He's he's been playing really good basketball this entire series uh specifically. And I think Jalen Brunson is taking into he's moving into if he hasn't already uh that that first role where it's like the offense goes through me first and then we have other options available. 
And I think defensively, the Knicks have to lock up. Miami shouldn't have a problem. They're at home, so they have the home court advantage. And, you know, I think Spolstra coaches them up pretty well defensively. So it's it's got the makings of a good game six, but I'm expecting the Knicks to take it to seven games. And I'll be watching that one, especially. Obviously, game six as well, but especially number seven, if it happens, which I hope it does. But, yeah, you can go ahead, Spence. Alrighty, and then on to the the final series of the NBA semifinals that we haven't touched. Conference semifinals, excuse me. Uh, Lakers and uh, Warriors is game five currently in progress with Golden State winning. Uh, but Lakers up three games to one. They took game four, one hundred four, one hundred one. And admittedly, I did not catch game four. It was a l- little bit late for me, so I actually. I regret, regretfully fell asleep before the game ended and missed a very exciting ending for that. So I, I'm not going to come out with some like hard line of, you know, late game executions. I just frankly did not see it. You know, like I did with the Celtics. Um, but you know, credit to the Lakers taking both games in LA, including winning by uh, 30 points in Game Three after you know losing by 27 in Game Two. Um, so it's been a really weird series. I mean, like, again, it's been mostly one-sided, like, in each game. Oh, game one was close. Game two, one-sided. Game three, one-sided. Game four, close game. Lakers came back, took it late. And game four is going on, or game five, excuse me, going on right now. It's halftime. Steph hit a shot before the buzzer. Put it, the uh, the Warriors up 11 at the half. Warriors looking to hold on to force a game six. And again, this team is not... Like we mentioned before, like they were a really bad road team in the regular season, but you really you just need to win one road game. We saw that the previous series, they took Game Seven on the road. If they can, if they can hold on in Game Five, and you can take Game Six on the road, that's the one you need. And then you go back home for Game Seven. Anything can happen. Um, again, I think the Lakers probably do close out on six. If I'm being completely honest there, um, but again, Golden State's a team. You know they've been there before. Uh, with this core, just go back to uh, 2016, the 73-9 team. They were down 3-1 to Oklahoma City before coming back three from that deficit to go to the finals before, you know, doing the inverse the next round, going up 3-1 and blowing it. Um, there, that was a little bit of a history lesson there if you forgot about that. Uh, again, I'm not going to count Steph Curry out. Like, if anyone can come back from a 3-1 deficit, it's Steph Curry. Now, sure, you have LeBron James on the other side. Um, but you know, Steph would like to get one back for, like I mentioned in the 2016 finals, uh, Steph Curry up three, one on LeBron's Cavaliers team. And then LeBron leads a charge. They win three straight, take the title. If Steph can get LeBron back on three, one lead, um, that'd just be uh, another chapter in this historic, you know, you know, rivalry on the court between Curry and LeBron James. Uh, ultimately, again, if you put me to make a prediction, it's Warriors hold on in Game 5, and they blow it. And in Game 6, the Lakers, um, in a semi-domination where Golden State tries to make a last da- last dash gasp at the very end of the game um, to win it. Yeah, I think the Lakers, you know, you're staring at another conference finals appearance for the story franchise in L.A. Uh, Dalton, I'll go to you next here. Your thoughts on Lakers and Warriors so far? So far, um I think kind of, kind of what I expected. 
I expected the Warriors to, yeah, shoot a ton of three pointers. Uh, I expected to just absolutely be like, hey, you know what? This is what we're going to do. We're going to jack it up. That's what's going to happen. That's what we're going to do. We're going to jack it up. Um, yeah, that's kind of what the Lakers want, you know. I'm talking about game one. Let's go game one. The Warriors lost, sure, by five. Um, but they shot 53 three-point attempts. What the actual heck, dude? Like, I don't... It's, and somehow shot 39%. Uh, it's like watching this team. That's why, I mean, just watching this team play, it's like it's like the all-star break that never ended. You know, you're just watching a three-point contest up and down the floor. You just go up and down and, you know, you just, oh, there's another three-point shot. Here's another one. And I'm just... Watching as we see no passing. Oh, yep, there's another one. Um, let's go to game two. Hmm. And then, you know, sometimes you just catch them on a night when they're just absolutely hot. The Warriors, that is, shooting 50%. From three point, and in that case, it's over pretty much. I mean, especially when the Lakers are not the type of team to go pointer, three pointer, three pointer every single time down the court. They're really not. I I think, you know, I think I think the Lakers pride themselves on being physical, playing good defense. Um, having Anthony Davis and LeBron score the majority of their points, um, and having some good bench play. Um, I think the Warriors are probably in the same boat, but they more so are like three point shots first, and then everything else second. The threes aren't falling. Who gives a rip? We're gonna do it again. I'm gonna do it again. That's what they. That's what they say. Um, to game three, I think with this one is more so like you're already down forty four three point shots. So I think I think the Warriors are probably more. Like they're more dangerous. Just turn into a guy who just shoots the ball, but when he actually facilitates, because Steph, I mean, I think, you know, when he's just not arbitrarily going, you know, 10 for 30, four for 10, those sort of numbers and just shooting the ball. You know, that's, you know, Clay shoots the ball. Steph, he's the, he's the guy who's handling the ball. He's the guy, like, dishing out the assists, layups. Like, you, I mean, you got to be more versatile than that. 
especially in this series with the Lakers, if your threes aren't falling and they're and you are you you're you're not gonna get to the free throw line, and the Lakers are getting to the free throw line and they're making their shots, the game's over. I'm sorry, we saw this in Game Three. They lost thirty points. The game was over. They shot forty four three point attempts, made thirteen of them, and the game was pretty much over. The Lakers had whatever they wanted. D'Angelo Russell had 20 points. LeBron had 20 points. And Davis had 25 points. And they had good bench play, obviously, because they were up by so many points. So I think, you know, the Warriors have a very specific way to win. And it's up to the Lakers for them to actually stop it. Um, and the same can be said about the opposite. I mean, are you going to stop L.A. inside because that's their bread and butter and then get out in front and, you know, get easy buckets on the other end? If I'm the Warriors, I think I take advantage of that way. Um, and as for this last game that they came back, talking about the Lakers that came back and won, um... You know, Steph had a triple double and that's the kind of that's the kind of play that I was mentioning. I mean, because I don't think that anybody wants to be a one trick pony. I mean, if you're watching if you're watching a basketball game go down and there's one person just stands in the corner and just does that all but he only makes thirty percent of them. What is that, dude? I mean, I think Steph is so much more dangerous. I mean, he is a great player. And they have – the Golden State Warriors have really good players on their team. They have multiple people who shoot three-pointers. Steph doesn't have to be the only guy. And I think that's what I'm really trying to get at. And I think Golden State knows how they can win this series. And I think they're going to take full advantage and try to – you know, put that game plan into practice as we get further along in this series. Um, I think their backs up are their their backs are up against the wall right now, being down three one. So there's a little bit more urgency when it comes to they're going to attack this Lakers team. Um, we've seen them do it before, overcome a three one deficit. Yeah, like you said, Spence. Um. So it's hard to bet against them, but I'm going to continually bet against them. Okay. Uh, all right. I, I might be the only guy to do it, but I'm going to do it continuously because I know that despite winning four championships in eight years, which two of those, you had the best player on the entire planet in Kevin Durant. I will say that, I think some of like the Lakers, for example, I think some Eastern Conference teams, um, they have that sort of three other elements to their basketball team. Um, but I think this is going to, this is a, this, uh, up until this point, um, and I expected to. Uh, continue to be like that, uh, especially because you know obviously they're 
they're in the same state and you know y'all know how that can be um so yeah yeah dude um i think you know overall thoughts to finish out because i know this was really really long um I'm still expecting the Lakers to win this game to win this series in seven. Uh, I still think, you know, matchup wise, I think the Lakers can play really, really well with the Warriors. Um, but, you know, I think some things, you know, the Lakers, they have to get going early. Um, and, you know, if they don't get out front, then you know it could be it could be doomed doomed for Los Angeles um but i think i'm i'm still going to still going to ride uh with the lake show and uh you know i think they pull this one out all right christian anything you want to add on the uh lakers and warriors series no nah, i think dalton handled that pretty well um i think you know right now the lakers are just you know, they're just bet they're flat out better. They're playing the basketball at the right time. Um, you know, Golden State, you can respect their legacy and you know, you can understand like these guys are bona fide Hall of Famer. Steph Curry is one of the best point guards to ever play it. Clay Thompson is a great second man. Draymond Green is an amazing defensive player, an all time defensive player, maybe. You know, in in conversation, don't think he is, but in the possible conversation. But L.A. has arguably the second best player, you know, of all time in LeBron James, first and second in most people's eyes. Anthony Davis, who, when he's hot, he is very hot and can drop 35 on any given night. They do have a tremendous uh, front court. They have, you know, a really nice back court. They are, they're very talented everywhere, and they're playing their best ball right now. They barely got into the play-in this year, and they've proven everybody wrong. And that is the way to do it. They shut down Memphis, who was my pick to be in the NBA uh, to be in the NBA Finals. They are potentially going to beat the defending champions in the Golden State Warriors. And even though I think, you know, their opponents, whether Den Denver or Phoenix, may if it's Denver, I don't think they will be favored, but LA may go into a series where they are not favored to be the team. They can make, you know, Denver run for their money and whoever they play out East, like LA can win it all. They can potentially win it all with King James and Anthony Davis. So it's also awesome they're playing the best ball right now. Obviously Golden State um, looks like they may take this game. And if they do, L.A. has nothing to fear, just like Miami. They're like, okay, we'll regroup and, you know, figure out a game plan to win at home. So, I think L.A. is still going to win this series. They may probably end it in six. But right now, it's a sad sight to see the Golden State Warriors fail this way and they won't have their triumphant uh, championship run. That was obviously – last year and we'll see what happens what happens to steve what happens to steph and clay draymond what happens to all these guys who have been a part of the golden state legacy for over a decade so uh la you know la is still king for sure 
and we're still going to see him roll the, uh, the NBA playoffs for the next several weeks. All right. Thank you for that, uh, Christian. Um, so, yeah, well, next week, because, yeah, Game 7, there's three potential Game 7s that will be on Sunday. Uh, Heat Knicks Game 7 will be on Monday, May 15th, should that series reach a seventh game. So, yeah, next time we speak to you guys on this podcast, we'll be conference finals time. We'll be discussing, we'll recap the conference semifinals, preview the conference finals, assuming no games are taking place. Or if it's a game one second place, we'll still give you our preview on um, that. Uh, anyway, shifting gears to hockey real quick. I'll give you hockey updates. Dalton will give us racing updates, and we'll call it a show there. Um, so starting with Seattle and Dallas, the Kraken and the uh, Stars. It's been a very fun series. Seattle takes game one, um, and then Dallas takes game two. And then game three and four. You've had, I mean, we've seen some high scoring, and I'll mention them, them as we go on. Some high scoring games, at least one sided. Game three, Seattle took seven to two in Dallas uh, to go up two one, and then in game four, Dallas takes it six to three. So uh, the series tied at two there um, as the series shifts back to Dallas. Game five, scheduled four. Uh, when you're listening to, the, if you're listening to it on the day we release it today. May 11th, uh, should be a very fun one. Another really interesting series going on is the uh, the Golden Knights and the Oilers. Oilers obviously led by McDavid, one of the best players in hockey. He's going to be the uh, MVP uh, winner this year. But like, Vegas took game one, 6-4. Then Edmonton takes game two, 5-1. And then game three, Vegas is the reverse. They beat Edmonton 5-1. Uh, game four going on in progress right now, uh, with the Oilers up four to nothing late in the second period. It appears the Oilers are going to prevail, barring a late, uh, yeah, third period collapse. Um, so it appears the Oilers are going to tie the series at two and shift it back to Vegas. Um, out east, you have the Hurricanes and the Devils. Uh, the first couple games. Uh, New Jersey scored one goal each game. Carolina going 5-1 game one, 6-1 game two. Uh, before game three, uh, New Jersey just trounces Carolina 8-4. to four. And then game four, New Jersey's back to their previous self, uh, falling 6-1 to one, like they did in game two. Um, whereas, you know, again, May 11th, today, if you're listening to it when we release it, Carolina looking to close out the Devils at home and go back to the conference finals. Um, and then another series, I thought this one was going to end tonight, honestly, just the way this series was going. Um, the Florida Panthers, again, something about South Beach, like Miami, they are the, you know, the equivalent of an eighth seed in hockey, the eighth seed in the NBA because of the play-in tournament. And they both have a 3-1 lead. It was 3-0 for the Panthers as they took 4-2 and won 3-2 in game two. A 3-2 overtime victory in Game 3 uh, before falling earlier tonight, uh, 2-1 to Toronto. So, in Toronto, just take it one game at a time. Maybe they can make a uh, 3-0 comeback. It has been done, I believe, four times in hockey. Um, that team has been down 3-0 in comeback to win the series outright. But, again, I, I think Florida is going to win this series. They have, again, they have three more chances you just got to win one game if you're Florida. And, I mean, just what a, 
amazing run it would be for Florida. I, I'm going to hate, hate Florida because of what they did to the Bruins in round one, which I know if you're not a Bruins fan and you're listening to this and you follow hockey, you're very happy that they blew it in round one. Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm frustrated with that. But Florida, it appears, again, they're up 3-1. And, you know, it's need to take one more game to go to the conference finals. Uh, Dalton finishes off. What's been going on in the world of racing? Yeah, Spence. Um, I'm going to start with F1, and then I'll get to the juicy stuff of NASCAR. And I'll finish off with our horse racing, because I know there's a special event this past weekend um i know i just you know it tickles your fancy spence when i talk about this racing segment uh i know i know christian you just get on the edge of your seat and you just can't wait to hear me talk about it either um but you know there was there was one race and this past weekend and speaking of florida it was in miami um it was uh the Crypto.com, Miami Grand Prix. What a name. I don't understand why, but what a name. Um, the Miami International Auto Drome is where it was located, and no surprise, Max Verstappen came in first despite not taking pole for the race. He did win it. Um, an astounding, not shocking, W by the team of Red Bull uh, to, uh, you know, just absolutely take advantage of a season in which I don't think anybody else besides Red Bull teammates, Max Verstappen and Sergio Perez, are going to race. Like, I really don't. I think they're just so much better than everybody else that they'll just be able to overtake, pun intended, every single one. Um, you know, they got Qatar on the 21st, Monaco 28th, uh, the Grand Prix in Barcelona on the 4th, um, Canada on the 18th, the uh, 2nd of July, www every single one of those I get Red Bull wins I'm calling it now you can you can you can mark this down in your fancy dancy little notebook that I'm predicting this so if I'm wrong you can call me out on it fine but I'm gonna do this and if I'm wrong I'm wrong but yeah I think. You know, it's yeah. That's that's just how predictable F one is. You just gotta you just gotta go. A bit. Um, there was fifty seven laps included in this race in the the crypto got crypto dot com Miami Grand Prix race. Um, nineteen total turns and the circuit length was five point four one kilometers. Kilometers, yeah. Um. So let's go ahead and, you know, go back to the schedule. Uh, I think I mentioned this like five seconds ago, but yeah, next, the 21st. So we got about weeks, if I'm not mistaken. No, uh, a week from 
14th. Um, the next race is going to be in Qatar. Uh, it's the Qatar Airways Emilia Magna Grand Prix. It's at 9 a.m. on ESPN2 on the 21st. So if you're awake on a Sunday and you want to turn on ESPN2, watch the Grand Prix. It should be a fun time. It should really be a fun time. I think you'll really enjoy it. If you don't want to do that, that's perfectly okay as well. I'll just know that you really don't like F1 or like listening to my racing segments. So that's, yeah, I'll just. Cool. Cool, cool. Let's go and go to the standings. Uh, and see how much of a lead uh, the two Red Bull teammates have on it. literally everybody else. Uh, and it looks like today's number, or I guess it's 11.43 right now at the time of recording, The from second to third, it is an astounding 30 points. Uh, 105 to 75. Uh, Max Verstappen leading all drivers with 119 points. Um, Sergio Perez has 105. Fernando Alonso has 75. Lewis Hamilton has 56. Carlos Sainz has 44. For the constructor standings, Red Bull is leading with 224 points. Aston Martin has 102 points. Yes. Literally, this is no competition. Zero competition. I think the rest of these drivers are just there. As collateral, that's pretty much how it is. These are these are time trials for the Red Bull drivers, and everyone else is just there. Like this is not a competition. It's not a competition at all. Okay, I take that back. It's a competition between Red Bull teammates. Nobody else. I cannot stress to you enough how much of a landscape this actually is. It's like if the 73-9 and nine Golden State Warriors never lost a playoff game. If the Warriors, who went 73-9, and nine, never lost a regular season game, never lost a playoff game, and won by 40 points every single game. That's what this is like. Does that make sense for all the non-F1 people? That's what this is like. So I just had to put it in perspective. Uh, I'm going to go to NASCAR now because I'm done talking about F1 and how incredibly one-sided it is. There was a... This past weekend and a great fight afterwards. (laughs) Ha ha. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. The Kansas City, Kansas race. I know. I know. I know. I said Kansas City, Kansas so many times. So many times last episode. Uh, And, you know, Denny Hamlin won the race. Um, But I think that Ross got the last laugh or... Maybe got a little bit for him. And also Noah Gragston, too. Um, so I watched I watched what happened. It was like, you know, Ross, Ross has a tendency to just wreck 
other drivers. Like just to preface. So like so like NASCAR fans, we Ross Chastain at any point is just gonna he's gonna put somebody in the wall. Like it's just it's just who he is as a driver. He's just gonna put somebody in the wall. And so with this race you know, he had gotten into, you know, according to the ESPN article, he had gotten into it with Noah Graxton with about 60 laps and sent him in for a spin. And uh, it's not good. Basically, I mean, I point he said it, and I quote, I'm sick and tired of it. Uh, uh, he said of Chastain's driving style. Quote, the guy runs into everyone. Guys like Chase Elliott and other guys telling you to beat his ass. Everyone is just sick of him. So I think, you know, <laughs> you know, Noah just got, he just got mad. Like he just, they, 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 they talked about it for a split second on pit road. And then Noah threw a punch. He threw a punch. Uh, you know, I uh, actually, so Noah put his hands on Chastain and then Chastain, Adam, which appeared to connect. So, you know, I didn't, I think that type of thing, you know, that's the type of stuff that, like, I think we miss because. You know, you're not really going to get that with other sports. Like, I don't think you're going to get out, like, a shove and combo or, a, you know, a double-decker, you know, on, you know, on hockey. Um, I, I found it kind of kind of funny because, you know, every like, – like I said, like I just mentioned in the quotes, everybody knows that Chastain – is going to put somebody into the wall or spin them out. That's just how Ross drives. That's just how the watermelon man takes care of business on Sundays. That's just how he does it. I think, you know, I think also there's another quote in here. So Kyle Busch, the same race, he had railed against Chad over the radio before crashing out of the race on a restart. Afterwards, Bush seemed to take aim at the performance of the next-gen car, which he made it too difficult to pass. So Ross, running into people and making it real fast, you know, one of those things, you know, I to pass, I think, you know, it could be, fine but you know other than that like you just just you just get not let's just not run into people like let's just not do it um and Chastain accepted he accepted some of the blame for the spin um he's fully aware he's fully aware of what he of what he's doing he's not just like some rookie driver behind the wheel, just like, oh, did I hit your back end? I'm sorry. Let me just keep driving. It's like this guy fully knows what is going on. Um, 
Yeah. I think, you know, it's just... Guys, some guys race one way. And I'll tell you this, dude. You piss off enough people, you know, you're not going to have very many friends. And it seems that way with Chastain. Like, he doesn't have very many friends. Uh, and also, let me tell you this. So Noah Gregson is not like this, like, top NASCAR driver. Like, this guy is bottom of the barrel, starting at the race. So, like, when when a guy who's not really better than you are gets mad, that's when you know you kind of you kind of screwed up. Like this is this isn't like Ross didn't get into a scuffle with Martin Truex or Joey Logano last year's champion or Kyle Larson the year before year's champion. I mean, this is nobody even knew his name or knew who he was. If you don't even watch NASCAR, you don't even you don't even know who Noah Gregson is. If he didn't, if he wouldn't have sh- uh, shoved Ross Chastain and got into a little scuffle with him on pit road, um, but I digress. Hamlin wins the Kansas City Kansas race, um, takes that one with a vengeance, um being the second straight Toyota winner uh, after Martin Truex won at Dover on April 30th. Um, Denny Hamlin came in first. Like I said, 267 laps was the full amount. So I know some drivers did not hit that, uh, starting with J.J. Yelly. Yes, I did say Yelly with one at one L, two E's. He came in 23rd. He did 266. Um, Denny, like, but I'm going to go back up to the top because I keep getting off track. Um, Denny Hamlin in first, a Toyota. Um, Kyle Larson in second in the Chevrolet. William Byron in third in the Chevrolet. Bubba Wallace fourth for the Toyota. And then Ross, the watermelon man, the... The bumper of the rear, um, Mr. Fido, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Getting into Scuff Road, uh, Chastain, uh, number one uh, for Chevrolet, finishing in fifth. Uh, Joey Logano in sixth. Last, year, last week's winner, Martin Truex on, in, in eighth. Uh, Kevin Harvick finishing in 11th. Um, personal favorite Kyle Busch did not finish the race like I mentioned earlier from the article um let's go ahead and go to the standings real quick so I'm just doing it based off points so despite getting in and despite finishing in fifth, Ross Chastain is leading the points board. He's got 404 points. He's winning and being the villain at the exact same time. He's the villain of NASCAR. Would you believe it? I wouldn't. 
Christopher Bell, the best Toyota driver, obviously. And these. He's in second with 373 points. March tied with another Toyota driver with 368 points. I now one away from being a nice number. And then Kevin Harvick is a NASCAR Cup Series driver. Is finally broke the top five. He is sitting at fifth place right now with three. 58 points. Go, Kevin. Go, Kevin Harvick. What really blows me away currently is that in the Cup Series standings, there's three Toyota drivers in the top five, which, if you don't know, Toyota has the smallest amount of drivers out of between Ford and Toyota. Toyota's got the smallest amount. So I think that's saying something to the talent of those drivers and really being able to that wins, stage wins, you know, top tens, top fives, you know, really racking up a good good race resume. Um, so then, you know, by the time it comes playoffs, it's you know, it's it's on, like they say. Um, and so yeah, dude, the cutoff you're looking at, you know, sixteen. So the top sixteen players go to the play, top sixteen drivers go. Sitting in 16th right now is Daniel Suarez. Right on right on the brink right there is Chase Briscoe with 255 compared to Suarez's 259. So will we, will we see uh, some switcheroos, uh, some inflow, uh, some, some change this upcoming race? Potentially. But, again, we'll just have those. We got... It's got it's uh May fourteenth, so this upcoming Sunday. Um at Darlington. Uh Darlington, South Carolina. Uh if I'm not mistaken. Um which it is uh you know, definitely hype. I know I was um Race Hub today. Wouldn't you know it me watching Race Hub today on um yes, Darlington, South Carolina. FS1 and you know there's been some tight finishes you know the tightest the tightest finish in NASCAR history um you know I believe it was 2000 Darlington um and you know that was like hairs hairs you know between Kurt Busch and I'm blanking on the other driver uh Ricky Craven, yes. Kurt Busch and Ricky Craven, literally side by side. You know, if you remember that scene from Cars where he, like, sticks out his tongue, like, that's kind of what it looked like, except the cars weren't sticking out their tongues. But if they could, that's what it would be like. Um, I think, you know, that's, like, the closest thing that I can relate it to for you all because you all don't watch NASCAR. Um, but you do watch Cars because Cars is a really, really good movie. Probably the best animated movie ever. I said it. There I said it. You can quote me on it. That's fine. Um, but yeah, dude. 3 o'clock Eastern, 2 o'clock Central, 1 o'clock Mountain, 12 o'clock Pacific. Because I know my time zones. Go me. Um, it should be a fun race. I'm hoping that you all will watch it. 
But if you don't watch it, that's also okay. I'll be back here next week giving you the same statistical, boring tweets that I know just you just love to hear me talk. And I'll be talking in this monotone, slow voice that just makes you lose your mind. That's what we do. That's what we do. The racing segment, I know, is something that we all look forward to. I know Spincy was looking forward to it. She was looking forward to it. They texted us. They texted us. Myself included. Blue looking forward this week. Look. It's taken on it's taken on the live of its and you know I can't control this racing segment. The only thing I can do is feed it information and it just does its own thing. It just does its own thing, baby. So you know we're gonna we're gonna move on now uh, from NASCAR and we're gonna go to what we've all been waiting for. We've been waiting for this since last week, since maybe the week before that, since maybe the beginning of this podcast and that would be the Kentucky Derby the Ken- Derby I'm going to say that one more time for the people who didn't hear me the first two times the Kentucky Derby 2023 so for some quick reference there's been some shady things that have gone down to the Kentucky Derby um, well, specifically Churchill Downs. If you know Churchill Downs, they had to investigate after they had people to they had people come in to investigate after there had been a death of four horses, four horse deaths over of five days. There are two horses trained, according to this ESPN article by Associated Press. Two horses trained by Safi Joseph Jr. collapsed on the track and died over the past week. This was May 3rd. Two other horses also died as either a result of racing or training, including Derby entrant Wild on Ice. Joseph is set to saddle Lord Miles in the first jewel of the Triple Crown on Saturday, but he has said he's unsure of plans after the two deaths from his barn. There have been multiple scratches as well. So, you know, the favorite, Fort, had scratched. Um, you know, there have been, let me see. Uh, and Fort scratched. There was a few other horses that I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, but you know, some really good odds. If you're looking at, you know, Brad Cox had a few, uh, the trainer, Todd Pletcher had a few, uh, horses in here. Uh, and you know, it was a good day, a good day turned out to be for people who are watching the Kentucky Derby and also, um, you know, just fans of betting. You know, fans of horse racing and fans of betting alike. Um, starting out, so we had a combined 23 final final race uh, race horses. Uh, hit show with 33 to 1 odds. 
number one, verifying 19 to one. Number two, number three with the two fills. I know that was a popular one that people bet on the day of, of the uh, Kentucky Derby. Eight to one odds. Conf- 20 to one odds. Tapas Trice, six to one odds. That was also a, that was also a uh, very uh, popular one. Kings Barnes, 12 to one odds. So Tapas Trice and Kings Barnes, both Todd Pletcher horses. I know a lot of people bet on that one. Reincarnate, 15 to one odds. Mage, Mage, 20 to one odds. Disarm, 27 to one. Jace's Road, 39 to one. Sun Thunder, 37 to one. Angel of Empire, Another popular one because of the odds. Six to one. Raise Kane. 37 to one odds. Derma. Soto Gake, I guess. I guess. Eight to one odds. Another. Get Can. 36 to one. Um, Colony Mischief, 39 to 1. Mandarin Hero, 26. And King Russ, 39. And, you know, you know who won the Kentucky Derby? Mage. Mage won the Kentucky Derby in a very uneventful voice. The way I said it, but I said it, guys. Mage won the Kentucky Derby. And actually, he came back. And I, I, you know, I wasn't sure if he was going to win. Um, but, I mean, that was that was a heck of a run. Came back. He was, he was back there and just, just went right around and, you know, pulled, you know, that, lad, that for that stretch, man, that final stretch, he was able to just get in there, uh, win the race. Uh, <laughs> I am completely done with the – uh, what's the, like, like the noises? Yeah, I gotta stop doing that. That's kind of weird, because uh, horses they don't make that noise. They kind of just like, kind of like run. It's not like a pew. It's more like a, a, cl- a clunking sound. I guess I don't know. But Mage fifteen to one shot, according to this ESPN Services article. Mage fifteen to one shot across the finish line to win the hundred forty ninth Kentucky Derby at Churchill Saturday, overtaking two fills. Down the stretch, yes, two fills. The horse, not. Um, <laughs> they should really, they should really clarify in this article because I would have thought that it was actually two fills. Okay, um, down the stretch, to win the first leg of the horse racing's triple crown. So the Kentucky Derby, the Belmont, and the Preakness, um. Uh, those are the three races in no particular order. Okay, I, did, I I literally did not list them in the 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 specific order. I just wanted to tell you what they were. Mage covered the one and one quarter mile uh, in two point uh, two oh one fifty seven on jockey Javier Castellano, who snapped an over fifteen derby. The Colt earned. One million eight hundred and sixty thousand for the biggest win of his brief career. Mage did not race head on 
three previous races, giving little indication seventeen rivals in a race that didn't that is not kind to the inexperienced. Still, he made a gutsy stretch run, overtaking two fills to his inside and winning by eight length. Two fills and four to one favorite Angel of Empire followed Mage to the finish line in front of a crowd of one hundred fifty thousand uh, and 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 change. If not mistaken, that was a uh, record, if I'm not mistaken. But I could be definitely definitely wrong on that one. On a warm and partly cloudy day at Churchill Downs, uh, Mage joined to justify the 2018 winner, Big Brown, two thousand eight winner and regret the 2015 winner as the only winners with just three previous starts. Um, some other notables. So in terms of money, if you did place money down on those horses at the track or maybe maybe at home uh, with your family, if you did like a sort of a Kentucky Derby sort of like pot, uh, Mage paid $32.42. Um you know, uh, if you, I think it was like a $2 bet. Um, and then, you know, DA and then 908, two fills returned um, $10 of 44 uh, and 6.52, $6.52 that is at nine to one odds. And then Angel of Empire paid $4.70 to show. Um, yeah, that was a really good race. Um, and I don't mean to end off at sort of a low note on the Kentucky Derby, but two more horses actually died in earlier races on Saturday, making it seven in all at Churchill Downs that week. So, you know, not great from like a PR perspective. Like if I had a horse, for example, and I would be like new to Churchill Downs and I see this stuff come out, I'm probably not going to. I'm probably not going to take my horse to Churchill Downs and train him and have him run. Um, yeah, that's, you know, like, you know, people should probably figure out why that's happening uh, and get that, you know, figured out. Um, other notables, so Fort that I mentioned earlier, the early favorite, well, he was actually scratched. Um he was scratched with a bruised foot and one of the five horses that dropped out in the race. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it. So uh, I cannot wait to uh, see who Belmont and the Preakness. Hopefully, hopefully Mage can take home the, uh, the triple crown. Um, but yeah, we'll see how that goes. That was the racing segment for the week. So back to you, Spence. All right. Thank you, Dalton, for that, including the Kentucky Derby. Um, breakdown at the very end i'm sure everyone's gonna appreciate that when they get around to listening uh if you made it to this bar of the podcast listen to the entire thing we appreciate you uh for that uh as always you know wherever you're listening to this podcast feel free to get a subscription or a follow on that uh streaming service feedback's always encouraged and if you so feel inclined please share this with friends and family uh, and as always, I am Spencer Brown. I'm Dalton Bishop. And I'm Christian Ernst. So thanks again for listening. Enjoy the rest of your day.